Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, good morning, City Church. My name is Erin Seagears, and it is such a joy to be with you guys this morning here at church. I was a member of City Church uh, throughout my time in undergrad here at UVA, during my internship with Chi Alpha, and then through my time at law school here at UVA Law. Um, One fun note about UVA Law, we have this weird thing where we really like softball. So softball is like a big thing at UVA Law when, you know, the first day you step into the classroom, you're assigned to a softball team. Um, Every club has a softball team. It's just a thing that we do there. And I bring that up because one of my favorite teams I played on at the law school was the Law Christian Fellowship. And that was one of my favorite teams to play on because one is one of the best teams at the school, and I like winning. Uh, So I enjoyed that. And two, because they had one of the best names, I think, of any of the softball teams, Um, it was Sermon on the Mound. You get it? Yes. It's pretty good, right? I think he's a great fan. So it was fun playing with them. And I had to bring that up, of course, because we're going through the Sermon of the Mount right now here at City Church. But anyway, now I live in Baltimore, and there I am a juvenile public defender, and so I advocate for youth in the criminal justice system and the juvenile justice system there in Maryland. But it is always so wonderful and such a joy to come home to Charlottesville, especially after a big win. That always makes things better. Um, And to be here with, um, you know, my family here at City Church. So thank you for having me this morning. And it's so wonderful to be here, especially this year as you guys are going through this awesome series of the Upside Down Kingdom. How fantastic. You know, there's lots of things I love about Jesus, but one of my favorite things is how he is just so, you know, wild and surprising and flips everything on its head. And so exciting. And the fact that he gets to, you know, that he does invite us into this upside down kingdom that he has. So before we get started, would you just join me if you're able to in standing as we uh, read the Lord's Prayer then also for the reading of the word, which today will be Matthew 5, 17 through 21. But first, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville, in Baltimore, I'll say, and as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And if you would, remain standing, actually, as I read the passage from today. Again, that's Matthew 5, 17 through 21. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven." 
For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you are certainly not entered the kingdom of heaven. You may be seated. Now, in my Bible, this passage is titled, The Fulfillment of the Law. And as you can imagine, I am going to be talking about the law quite a bit this morning. But first, I want to draw your attention to that word, fulfillment. You know, fulfillment, I think, is kind of this elusive word. It's really an ideal. It's something that we all want, and I think something we all yearn for, but not something that we often get, not something that truly happens often in our life. And even thinking of context where, you know, we use this word fulfillment, it was hard for me to come up with a couple. One that did come to mind, though, funny enough, was Instacart. And the idea is a fulfillment of an Instacart order. So I don't even use Instacart. My little brother was an Instacart driver at some point during college, I think. Uh, but, you know, I know the concept. Instacart, you get your... You, you know, you make your list of all the ingredients or all the food that you want someone else to grocery shop for you. And, you know, like most people, me included, people are quite particular about what type of food, what brand, and everything like that. But it's my understanding that very rarely, if ever, do you get a complete fulfillment of your Instacart order. I've seen the posts online of people complaining about, like, you know, I asked for orange juice and they gave me orange soda, or like, I wanted two eggs and they gave me two bananas. You know, I've heard of just crazy mix-ups with Instacart, or like, they deliver it to your neighbor's house, or, you know, they deliver it and half the ingredients are gone because they, like, ate it in the car. I've heard of those stories, you know? Um, so, fulfillment of an Instacart order, I don't think half happens very often. I bet if it does, it feels like you, you know, hit the jackpot, won the lottery. Another uh, context I think about this word fulfillment is sometimes when people are talking about their jobs. You know, they might ask about your job, and they might ask, well, do you find it fulfilling? Is your job fulfilling? Um, you know, I, don't, I think if it is, if you do find it to be fulfilling, that is a great blessing that many people don't have. My job as a juvenile public defender really is, you know, for me, it's my God-given calling. And I do find it fulfilling in many ways. But I have to say, not in every way and not completely. And really, fulfillment, true fulfillment on this side of heaven is sometimes hard to come by. Um, it's hard to come by in, you know, little things like your Instacart order and even more important, big things. You know, there's always that, that song. I think it's still Rolling Stones of, you know, I can't get no satisfaction. Um, but the things, but there are some things that really do matter, like the law. And in this passage, Jesus talks about the enduring importance of the law. And in a bold statement of authority, he states that he himself is the fulfillment of the law. Now, rewinding a little bit, I know we all have been going through the Sermon on the Mount and that you've heard some awesome sermons on that um, through the Beatitudes. I know there was a, a really wonderful sermon by another Aaron, Aaron Herman, who actually is a dear friend of mine. We overlapped during our time in college at Chi Alpha. And also during that time, there's a few other Aarons around um, who were, you know, were all in the same circle. And Aaron Herman was the most senior, so I called her Aaron number one, which put me at Aaron number four, unfortunately. So I'm sorry you have to hear from Aaron number four today, but I'm glad you heard from Aaron number one a few weeks ago. Uh, but she gave an awesome sermon about the Beatitudes and how, you know, how flipped and how surprising those statements that Jesus made were. 
And then I listened to Pastor Pete's sermon last week of being salt and light and just how wild it is that Jesus would compare you know, those people to the two most viable things in that culture in that time, salt and light. And so you can imagine at this point in the Sermon of the Mount how the people there were having all types of questions about Jesus. Who is this man? What is his purpose? What is his theology? Everything, he's mixing everything up in the best way possible, but still, this is wild. And so in that too, you know, they had questions about, you know, how is Jesus interacting with this law, this law that has been around forever, which kind of leads us to this next passage. And I love how Jesus starts off, you know, in this section um, of the Sermon of the Mount. And I like how the King James Version puts it too. It says, think not, you know, think not. And here Jesus is acknowledging, like, I know that you guys, there are rumblings out there. I know that you guys, you know, have come up with some ideas that maybe I am, you know, saying that, this kingdom I'm talking about is devoid of the law, or that I'm coming here and I'm setting aside pieces of the wall, the, the law or disregarding it in some way. But not so. Jesus makes it very clear that he didn't come to abolish the law. He says that twice. I did not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. So if people were thinking Jesus was anti-law in some way, they were mistaken. And he really emphasizes this. And we see this, you know, in the next few verses. He says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So here it is evident that Jesus wants to be very clear on his attitude towards and his position on the law. He uses all this you know, emphasis in these statements that he repeats a few times. So he's not even setting aside a little bit of the law and he's saying, you know, you better not either. And this makes sense because the law is good. And we see this all throughout scripture. Psalms 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Psalm 119.165 says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. 1 Timothy 1.8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And I'm sure many of us are familiar with Joshua 1.8 that says, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And these are just a few verses of many that speak of the beauty and the wonder and the protection and the sweetness of the law. So even now, let's just take a second, turn to your neighbor, if you would, and say, the law is good. Yeah, you guys said that like you, that sounded more like the law is okay. I want, try that again. Turn to your neighbor and say, the law is good. It is. And you know, part of me wonders that maybe these people were thinking, maybe they're even hoping a little bit in them that Jesus was going to abolish law because maybe they had given up on the hope that it could be fulfilled. 
you know, sometimes we want things, even good things, to kind of go away once we have kind of hit our wall, hit our limit, and we don't believe and we lose hope and we lose faith due to our own limitations. You know, sometimes we're giving up, we're tempted to say, you know, the fulfillment's never going to happen, so just forget about it. You know, cancel the Instacart order. I'm not getting any of these ingredients. But Jesus, again, comes and he says that actually I have come to fulfill the law. Now, again, this word fulfillment seems kind of, um, you know, it's a, it's a loaded word. And the statement from Jesus and his authority, I have come to fulfill the law, carries with it great significance. I think part of it, yes, is the fact that Jesus came and he lived out a lot of the prophecies, you know, all the prophecies about him in the Bible. And that is huge and that is significant. But this statement of I have come to fulfill the law is even so much more than that, even more than him, you know, fulfilling these predictions. It's really him saying that he is the embodiment, embodiment of the whole point of the law. Jesus, in his perfection and obedience and love and righteousness, has interpreted the law. He has lived it out correctly and completely, like no one has been, ever been to um, or was able to. So it's not like that Jesus had won, like, the video game challenge of the law, that he, you know, finished the scavenger hunt of the law or filled out the bingo card, like, Check never, you know, always observe the Sabbath. They're like, check never, you know, committed murder. It's so much more than that. Um, Jesus is the point of the law, and he embodies it fully. And through Jesus' fulfillment of the law, he is showing us and he is teaching us how we are to live out the law. And he's teaching us because he is our great rabbi. He is the ultimate teacher. And if we listen to what our teacher, our rabbi says, if we watch him and how he fulfilled the law, we will see how to live in this kingdom, how to live out the law of God and the kingdom of God completely and fully. Through Jesus' fulfillment of the law, we see how living out the law in the kingdom is more than just the outwardly following of the letter of the law just for other people to see, but it's also following the law internally, the spirit of the law. And this righteousness that Jesus speaks of that is required to enter into the kingdom of heaven, this righteousness that has to surpass that even of the Pharisees is not just this external following of the rules, but rather this internal righteousness that comes ultimately from living out the greatest commandment to love God and to love others. Later in Matthew 22, an expert of the law asked Jesus, trying to trick him up, and they ask him, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And we know what Jesus says. He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus shows us and teaches us and that how he lives. And he explains that in depth in the rest of the Sermon of the Mount, which I'm sure you guys will get to. But this is the lens, really, of how we are to live out the kingdom of God. If we are following our rabbi and his teachings, we learn how through obedience to these greatest commands, loving God and loving others, we fulfill the law. This is expressed in Galatians 6, 2. This is carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this is summarized in Romans 13. Verse 10 says, love is the fulfillment of the law. And we know, of course, Jesus, our teacher, our rabbi, he is love. So reading, interpreting 
living out the law through this lens of love is huge. It's a game changer. And, you know, right now in my job, I really have come to get a good understanding of how the lens in which you read the law, how much of a difference that can make. Right now, I'm literally in the middle. It's been going on for a few days of a hearing called a transfer hearing. And in Maryland, um, there are a number of different charges that if um, a kid, a juvenile, is charged with committing, they can be automatically charged in adult court. And when that happens, um, we represent them in what we call transfer hearings. And this, are, this is their opportunity to, for their case to get moved from adult court to the juvenile court, to the juvenile court system. And this is really one of the most important cases that we work on because it has consequences for really the rest of these kids' lives. And the law that governs these transfer hearings, it's um, Maryland Judicial Proceedings, Courts and Proceedings 2025B. Um, it lays out five factors that a judge is supposed to look at to determine if a kid's case should be moved from adult court to juvenile court. And so the five factors are age, physical and mental uh, condition, amenability to treatment, the nature of the crime, and public safety. So just these five factors are what, you know, a judge is to look at to determine really one of the most, the biggest, most consequential things in this kid's life. If they're going to stay in adult court and potentially have, you know, a felony record for the rest of their lives, um, be placed in adult facilities with other adults, or if they will be moved to the juvenile system, which is completely different, has purposes of guidance, treatment, rehabilitation, where they can get treatment um, and help, really. And so the law, as it stood, was just these five factors that these judges are supposed to look at. But then in 2021, the highest court in Maryland came out of a case, State v. Davis. In this case, they said, yes, you know, the law has these five factors that the judge is supposed to look at. And that's the law, but really this law needs to be, that law needs to be read through the factor of amenability to treatment. That all the factors are only relevant in light of amenability to treatment. And they explained what that was. That basically means that if there are uh, programs, if there's treatment in the juvenile system um, available to this kid, and if they would benefit from that, from that treatment, then that, that case should be moved down to juvenile court. And so that is the lens in which all the other five factors can be read through. Um, the amenability to treatment. Basically saying, I think the spirit of is a saying, if there's hope for this kid, then we should give him that chance. And that has made all of the difference. That has completely changed our practice as juvenile, you know, as juvenile defenders when we have these transfer hearings. This lens of amenability to treatment, this lens of hope, I would really say, has made a huge difference. And in the same way, this lens of loving God and loving others changes everything in how we live and how we operate in the kingdom of God, how we live out the law um, as Jesus has shown us as our great teacher. And through Jesus, we know there's finally, the, and through his love and how he lives out a life of love, there is fulfillment of the law. And Romans 10, 4 says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes, so that we too may enter into the kingdom. Now, what does it look like to put our feet to our faith in this way? Well, my first question for you is, who is Jesus to you? And I'm sure in this room there's lots of answers, and I'm sure there's plenty of overlapping answers. Maybe Jesus is your savior. Maybe he is your friend. I hope he is both. 
But my question specifically to you today, this morning, is do you see Jesus as your teacher? Do you see Jesus as your rabbi? Are you listening to his instruction on how to live, how to live out the law, how to live out the law specifically through the lens of loving God and loving others? When you read these, you know, red letters in the Bible, Jesus' words and teachings, do you see them as just nice words from a nice man? Or do you see those as instructions from your teacher, from your rabbi, from the greatest teacher there ever has been? I know many of us probably have had the great privilege of having a really wonderful teacher in our life at some point, or maybe a coach who has really taught us something, and we know the impact of having a great teacher. You know, I can think of times in my life where, like, I just was not getting it, and then a new teacher came in and taught me, you know, a teacher who had a master of the subject and taught it in a new way, and I finally got it, and my eyes were open, and it made all the difference, or, you know... I think of people, you know, mentors in my life, also teachers who maybe they weren't sitting down and teaching me things, but for me watching how they live, you know, that changed my life and showed me how to live in certain ways too. In the same way, Jesus is our teacher. He's our rabbi and he is the best teacher we can ever have. And so my question is, is he your teacher and will you be a good student to the rabbi? And next, if you are a true student of Jesus, how does this lens of loving God and loving others, with Jesus as an example of that, make a difference in how you live and how you operate in the kingdom of God? That, I believe, has to be the question at the forefront of our minds. And, you know, it's sometimes easier said than done. And, you know, my church in Baltimore, you know, Church in Baltimore, ministry in Baltimore can be kind of complicated because it's a bit of a complicated place. But one thing my pastor always says, you know, if we can just get love right, if we can just get love right, that's what makes all the difference. And I'll be honest with you too. Sometimes I don't know exactly what that looks like. You know, I'm even just thinking about a couple days ago where I was in a tough place with this case I'm in right now that I have to finish tomorrow. Um, And... I just felt stuck, I felt lost, and I knew, you know, I had to go back to this question of like, how, how do I love God? How, I love, how can I love others in this situation? And I, again, I felt kind of lost of how to do that. But in that moment, I thought, you know, well, I'm not doing this alone. So I asked my teacher, I asked my rabbi, I called out to Jesus, and I said, God, how, how can I love you? How can I love others in this situation? And Jesus being, you know, my faithful teacher, my faithful rabbi, he told me, he taught me what to do in that situation. And that's who Jesus is. He doesn't leave us alone to try to navigate us. He is our teacher. He's here. He has spoken, and he continues to speak. And he shows us what it means to live out love and the fulfillment of the law through it. And so, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your law, for your beautiful law. God, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being our teacher, for being our rabbi, for being the fulfillment of the law, for being our righteousness. Lord, help us to live like you did. Help us to love like you did. And thank you for being faithful to always be here and to teach us and to love us. Amen.